2: What is up, Nets fans? Thank you for tuning into the Now Sports Ethos Nets podcast. Don't be confused. This is still your host, Tody Mallory, and I am joined by my normal co-host. How's it going, Anthony?
3: How's it going, guys? How's it going?
2: Good. And how's it going, Joe?
3: You doing all right? Can't
0: complain.
2: Um, So I'm excited to bring our second guest on to the show. Last Thursday, we had Keith McPherson on, who is now rocking on WFAN. But tonight, we'll be bringing on Nets fan, Sonia Buddha. How are you doing today? I'm doing
1: great. It's awesome to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
2: Yeah, we're very excited to have you on, Um, kind of dive into the Nets. But before we do that, why don't you just tell all of our listeners kind of about yourself, so maybe some little about your personal life, your Nets fandom, however you wanna go with this. The floor is yours.
1: Cool, all right. So hi everyone, I'm Sonia Buddha. I'm a journalist. My background is in science reporting and writing. Um, currently I'm a senior editor at Scientific American Magazine, which happens to be the oldest magazine in the US, fun fact. Um, and I'm focused on audience development and engagement there. So I'm, I, I would say I'm a bit more of a recent Nets fan, but not recent like bandwagon when KD arrived. I always liked <laughs> watching basketball. Like that was always, you know, it was always on my household. I, I grew up watching basketball, having you know, a hoop in the backyard, but it wasn't until I moved from Harlem to Brooklyn um, in 2017. And I, that's when I attended my first Nets game which was, it was versus the Knicks and we lost and it was it was a shit game. But that's when I became a true fan of, of the sport of basketball and of this team. Um, I'm really lucky because I live within walking distance to Barclays center, like not even 10, 15 minute walk. So going to games is really easy and I try to go whenever I can. And recently um, that's something that the Brooklyn Br- Brigade has been able to help me out with.
2: Nice. So you, uh, your first game was in twenty seventeen. You said yes. Mm-hmm. So, against you, the Knicks. You saw well, the hell with the Knicks, but uh, <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> saw your our beloved. I'm assuming Spencer Dinwiddie.
1: Yes, Dilo.
2: Jared, Jared
1: Allen. Paris
2: Sliver. Um, he was, like, wasn't injured. Paris
1: LeVert. Oh, yeah, it was a nice fun time. team. That famous gif of the net, that's like, that was that team, right? <laughs> you
2: yeah, know, the one where they're uh, dancing. Yeah, Theo <laughs> Pinson on the bench. Charles Jefferson. Ron Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Ed, yeah, right? Ed Davis. Ed Davis, love that guy. Jared Grimm,
3: love that. Dudley. Dudley,
1: right yeah, Jared Dudley. <laughs>
3: Javaz Napier.
2: <laughs> oh, my God, that Javaz, guy. Stop. represent UConn, my alum. <laughs> <laughs> but so you've been going since 2017 we touched about this with keith but how would you say the barclay center ha- atmosphere has kind of progressed in the years you've been going because in 2017 they were still an up-and-coming team compared to now they're a full-blown like championship contender so you say the atmosphere has gotten better um, obviously i would assume the arena is more sold out etc
1: attendance is definitely uh one of the The bigger changes, Um, but what Keith said about the environment is absolutely true. I mean, it just feels more. There's just a lot more going on too. I mean, I I I don't always know if it's the nights that I go just happen to be the nights where, like, you know, they have more activities and more giveaways and more. more, um, And I'm not talking about you know on the court. I'm talking about during halftime when you're just walking around when you're going to um, to get something to eat. Like the whole setup of how. They have the concession and um, the setup of Barclays is just super cool. As soon as you walk in, like you're in that environment and you're absorbed by it. So uh, the food is great. Like they have awesome uh, restaurant, a lot of restaurants, but like m- versions of restaurants in Brooklyn, like Kick Beach, and it's super representative of the environment uh, and the community, which is I think what makes it
2: so great. Right? Yeah, that's the one thing that I don't get to experience as a Nets fan because I live roughly two and a half hours away. It's not horrible, but the drive's not fun. And that's why my favorite part about doing any of this Nets content is just connecting with the Nets fans to get to experience it firsthand. Um, I don't know. I know, Anthony, I believe you go to a decent amount of games. You're in New Jersey, so you're in the area.
3: Um, yeah, it's not too far okay. bad for me. It's like a path right away. So I try to go to as many games as possible. Like last year, I went to like four or five games. It was a little weird last year because like the COVID restrictions, I think the first half of the year we couldn't go. And then once they right. first opened, it was very restrictive, very restrictive um, ways to get in, like in terms of like how many tickets they give out. I remember for, like, once I went to one like the first games and it was like $300 sitting in the nosebleeds. And I probably ru- jumped the gun a little bit too much to go to the game really bad. <laughs> but I was so excited <laughs> to see like the big three in action. Um, that I Wait,
1: why seen. was it that expensive? Was it because it was during COVID that it was that expensive? It was
3: like the first or second home game and it was against the Knicks. And mm-hmm. it was, like, 10% attendance. You had to, like, show your vaccination card. You had to, like – it was a lot. There was only, like, six fans per section. Like, our section had my group of friends, three friends, and then, like, another group, and that was it. So I think it was just because of that. Like, they instantly dropped a few weeks later. My friends were kind of mad. But like, we jumped on it so fast. But I, I thought, like, potentially it was going to shut down again. So I was like, I need to get to that game at least once this year. So I kind of got, like, screwed in the price-wise. But it was an experience. They, it was well, I was going to say,
1: I <laughs> – I've a- never paid more than fifty dollars for a Nets ticket.
3: <laughs> yeah, I should have done it. I I've gone to I went cheaper game. I went to gate rounds one against the Celtics, round two against the Box, and I paid less for those two games combined than I did for that game. So I did <laughs> jump the gate, but there was a game they won with up and down.
2: That's wild. Yeah, That's
3: it
2: was cool. wild that you paid more for that. I yeah, I mean. That's one thing. If I was within walking distance like Sonia is, my bank account would be hurting hard because <laughs> I would be at every oh, yeah. single game. 100%. Like, if I could walk to the stadium and then walk home, no, I would be there Oh, all it's time so nice. I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm incredibly jealous, but like I said, my bank account's happy about it. Um, so before we go into the recent game since we last spoke, uh, Sonia, I just want to ask you about the Brooklyn Brigade. Um, I saw on your Twitter that you sat in the section with them. What game was that again? I don't remember.
1: It was the Orlando Magic game.
2: Orlando on Friday. Magic. It was
1: like Friday Night Live. Oh, yeah.
2: Wow. So we're gonna go into that game based on the actual game. But what was your experience with the Brooklyn Brigade?
1: The Brooklyn, Brig- uh, the Brooklyn Brig- Brigade. I'm like messing up their name, and I'm their newest member. <laughs> uh, I've been trying to figure out how to get into the brigade for a while. And Twitter is just the best networking tool and helps, it really just helped. And I made a bunch of friends who are in the brigade and one of them invited me to that game and said, you know, come on, see if you like it. Uh, we'll introduce you to Bobby who runs the brigade. And um, I mean, I could not turn that down. It, it's so hard to explain. Like, I feel like it's a microcosm. Like this group is a microcosm. Of the larger Nuts fan base because they are so welcoming. Their energy is incredible, it's infectious. There's so much warmth and kindness. Like there's positivity and their passion and enthusiasm. Like makes it. It does make it feel like we're all like a family. You know. I mean, I met a lot of people who I knew through Twitter, and I had been talking talking to on Twitter for a while. One being um, Keith McPherson, who was you know from Talking Nets and WFAN, who was just on your show. And he is an incredible person, and he himself is representative. I think of the brig- the brigade's vibe and how they're able to they command the atmosphere. I mean, I, I didn't. Re- that was something I didn't realize um, before before joining or, um, them. It was like they get the chant started. They really shift the way that you know people people react. Like it's really cool. Like they'll start ch- chanting MVP, or they'll you know they start. Um, I feel like a lot of the just that hype and that energy they really bring it um, and you know they're not there's nothing like arrogant about them or like there's no like you know again I felt like a newcomer and I was just welcome immediately and everybody introduced themselves to me and I think I, I told you this Cody like I went up to Bobby and I was like so how can I apply to join and he's like Laughing at me, he's like, "You don't need to apply. Like you're, <laughs> you, you can just join." And he's like, "Just send me an email." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Like that's pretty awesome." Um, and awesome. just my particular experience, I think, might have been my first experience might have been different from others because I think this year's the first year that they're in section one. Um, I don't know if it's like a better view or not from what they when they were in section. 114 but it's a pretty amazing view i mean you cannot beat the view. it's like when you first walk into barclays it's right behind that like the entrance there um so the view is incredible but then what was really awesome about this night was that sean Marks was there and he invited um the brigade to shoot around and brought us beer (laughs) and so i'm just like sitting like like a couple feet away from Blake Griffin and James Harden and LaMarcus Aldridge and they're shooting around and then this woman comes up to me and hands me like a huge case of Michelob Ultra and I'm like what do I what am I supposed to do and like I'm just looking around and everybody's kind of laughing because they're like you know seeing how I'm just like in awe of everything that's happening around me um it was it was so so cool to be um to just to be that close, but also, and, and that the other thing is like the staff was so awesome. Like they loved the brigade. I, I not only like the way they treated us, just being down there, like by the court and handing out beer, uh, taking photos for us. But during halftime, I was walking to the restroom, and the, the same woman who handed me that massive case of beer came up to me and she's like, "Oh, you're in the brigade, right? Can you can you um, tell those guys who are wearing the hard hats, the guys who are dressed as..." Um, you know the uh the blue collar boys like tell them that we we want to get like a real picture they have this you know photo background set up that they take like professional pictures and she's like can you tell them to come I'd really love to take pictures of them so they they're not only are they respected within you know Barclays um but it just it was so awesome to be I don't even, I guess I thought that I would be not by the brigade itself but you know when you're that close to the players like I I guess I would think like, you know, people would kind of be like making sure that, you know, you act a certain way or like you're, you're in line, but everybody was just so kind and it was, it was awesome. And then, you know, we got to like shout out to to Harden and, um, you know, they acknowledged us here and there, which is pretty cool. (laughs) Um, And then what was, what else was pretty cool about that night was it was, I think it was the most packed that I've ever been at the clays. I think the attendance was like, 17,000 or something um and that was like till the very end like I you know you guys watched the game it was one of those like nail-biter games and we were just all at towards the end everybody was standing up and I'd never really seen anything like that before.
2: Jeez so not only do you get to have a great seat at the game (laughs) you got to be near Sean Marks, James Harden, Blake Griffin. You got to see a two-point <laughs> game, and you got invited into the brigade. Jeez, you had a pretty it good Friday. You you beat me. Was... I, don't about, I don't know about Anthony and Joe, but you definitely do dope good Friday night. I actually have well, a one I wanna... about
3: that. Yeah, go ahead. So, like you said, like I I obviously know the brigade, but like so, like the way it works is like. To get tickets in the brigade, do you have to like buy from the brigade, or like is it automatically set there? You have to be invited by a member of the brigade. Like, how does it work? I'm just curious, like the nuances of it.
1: In this situation, I was invited as a guest. Uh, shout out to Justin Messier. he's the one who invited me. But for he, you know, we're already talking about future games, and um, I'm gonna pay for those tickets. And I, but they're at a very discounted price, so that's what's really nice about it. Like they, and they have the bet, like they have incredible access like the seats that they have are so great so you're paying a really good price for an incredible view I paid I went to the heat game um on the 27th and I paid more for that than I would have paid for 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 those tickets that I mean I got you know I was a guest so I didn't pay but I asked like what I would normally pay and it was much cheaper Um, so that's just you know to kind of show uh how what I mean it's what's really cool about it too is again, like, you know, the demeanor of this group of people, like we get, Annette's, I guess like Annette's Twitter is a whole different world, right? There's some arguing, there's some vitriol, but I mean, I don't think it's like overwhelmingly like like that, you know, there's, but the fandom, um, they're just, I don't know, it's like the complete polar opposite of like what you saw in that viral bing bong next video. This is like a, such a cool <laughs> down to, down <laughs> to earth, like chill ass group of people, like, they're just like, they have swags. And I don't, I can't, it's so hard to explain. Like they're just chill. They're, they're nothing like, you know, and they, they still have so much energy to them, but it's not like overwhelming and obnoxious. It's just, right, I just,
2: just, just feel cooler. Obnoxious. You <laughs> yeah. say that, When I see that Bing Bong video, I just think obnoxious, like arrogant. Yep. Mm-hmm.
3: So do you apply to so- get in and then you buy tickets from the brigade to get the tickets? Is that how it works?
1: there's like an email thread and they i think they just flag to you I, I haven't it hasn't happened to me yet like i just sent that email um to bobby to reconnect and uh but i was told that's how it works like they'll flag games and like you know what tickets and seats are available within the section and you know what price they are they are and all of that
3: that's really dope thank you i actually have to look into that right try to hit up the game actually yeah. For the, sitting there and food. the
1: rule like there's not really even a re- i was like what are the rules i just asked a bunch of like ridiculous questions <laughs> but you know mm-hmm. you show up in nets gear, and you just you stay the whole game and you just cheer with them like they you know they i, I was kind of I, I don't know where i was under the impression that they had like all kinds of crazy rules and um people were just like no like you're taking this too seriously <laughs> <laughs>
2: Didn't they do tryouts in the offseason or is I just making that up? I could have sworn I, think I saw that's better. the
1: block, that's the BK oh. block. And okay. I had this explained to me a little bit, but it's like I think the brigade is a part of the block, and the, the block is more um, that's like the one where you apply and like you. I don't, I really don't know what the um, difference in terms of management is, but. And whenever it was being explained to me, I was like, "I, I really can't follow this." Um, but gotcha. I, the block, the block is, I guess, the larger um, fan group. That's that's more maybe associated with the organiza- the Nets organization. But I could be wrong. I mean, like when you go to the section, it says the BK block on it, right, in like huge letters. Um, gotcha. So I think that that's like that's what you know they call uh, it, it officially, and maybe this is like a subgroup of that.
2: I always just thought it was the same thing truthfully I didn't know there was a difference
1: it, it could also be exactly the same I'm like I, even whenever it was being explained to me um Justin was like I know it's complicated just don't worry about it <laughs> so um <clears throat> you know
2: nice nice um before we jump into the games Joe or Anthony is there anything else you want to pick Sonia's brain about whether it's Mets, Barkley Center, the Brigade
0: I think I think the best thing to pick her brain about is her thoughts about the game on Friday.
2: True. She she experienced it firsthand. We were watching (laughs) it from a TV.
1: Um, yeah, we can dive right into that. Um, you know, like I said, it was my my first game um being in such an electrified environment, like being surrounded by people who are cheering and screaming and like it you know i was on my feet the whole time i was like dying towards the end but it was one of those like we were (laughs) it was exhausting like it was like you know because you saw it we they they fell behind like what was like 19 points in the first half um but then they did start to gain some momentum in the second half and 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 then dominated you know and it was but it was like to the very final seconds and everybody's just like oh my god oh my god like what like it was um it just felt like a ton of energy was going in um and the outcome was great, but it was it was a really intense uh, last couple minutes. And James Harden did incredible. I mean, he was incredible. Patty Mills was incredible. Um, Bruce Brown showed up for sure. Uh, there was some confusion. It was like I guess I the one interesting thing about being at the games that is so different from me watching it from home is like I check Twitter way more when I'm home watching, and then when you're, when I'm there, like barely will check Twitter at all. I mean, why would you? But what we were kind of confused, like, where's Bruce Brown? Why isn't Bruce Brown back? And then I guess it had been released, um, like Nets PR released that, you know, he was, he had some uh, left hamstring tightness and that, and he wasn't coming back for the second half. So like things like that, you know, are, that I would have normally picked up. It was just funny to be like in the moment and experiencing this with the group and like kind of not really, you know, like not really knowing what's going on, but it, but like, I don't know, it just showing like, It was just a different experience, I guess, is what I'm trying to
2: say. Yeah. I mean, the big takeaways from me, from what I saw, was obviously no Kevin Durant is going to affect any team, no matter what team it is. And no matter how good the players are around him, more was asked of James Harden, obviously. Um, He didn't shoot very well. I think he was like 7 of 25 or something.
3: Nail on the Um, head. Yeah. (laughs) The yeah, big thing is 20 from the free throw line. Yeah. Uh, so that
2: was that was like vintage James Harden getting back to the foul line, getting the whistle. Um my I love James Johnson. I think it was James Johnson's coming out party. Um, Anthony's fave. Yeah.
3: It was his <laughs> yeah, season Anthony. high. I think
1: his his season high of, uh, he finished with like seventeen points. Yeah,
2: I think Joe for the fast had...
3: bullying works.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah sonia yeah, you may not know but uh anthony was throwing some serious shade at james johnson and then as soon as that <laughs> happened he started bawling out so anthony i want to thank you he must have he must have listened to the pod because as soon as he heard it, he, oh man i'm gonna lose my job
3: yeah the last two games honestly had so much impact in terms of like helping get guys open, setting screens like that I mean, they get like 17 and 10, so he did a little bit more scoring. But, like, even those, like, last few games, he's just been kind of doing all the, the gritty things. But, like, he might be the newest blue-collar boys entry, honestly. But
2: <laughs> yeah, he, he had four assists in that game against Orlando. I think he's a better playmaker and has a better handle than people give him credit for. And he can kind of almost play that point-forward role when Harden – obviously, if Harden and Durant are in the game, he's not. But with one of them out, you can kind of play that role off the bench to try to give someone to initiate offense, which without Kyrie is very important right now because the Nets don't really have another player like that. Um, But DeAndre Bentley. We were were also
1: missing like Joe Harris. We were missing Paul Millsap. I mean, Nick Mm
2: Clarkson. Bruce Brown, like you said, didn't come back. He only ended up playing 17 minutes, and he's been so good for the Nets.
0: Well, you know, Anthony's saying that bullying works. Then clearly, I really have to turn on my aggression towards Blake Griffin because <laughs> it hasn't worked yet for him, at least.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah him Blake and Griffin's like, well, all right. At least Blake Griffin provides something. Javon Carter should just never see that baseball <laughs> again. I'm, I'm sorry, but A ship he that man to Shanghai. Nothing. I thought Absolutely that was the nothing.
1: forbidden word—that he who must not be named, Javon <laughs> Carter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's just like I you i to that he, man to Sh- on
2: a one way trip to Shanghai. <laughs> I don't even think he's a good defender. Like I think he's undersized. He really isn't. I, like <laughs> it's like the one thing was oh he's a good defender and maybe he'll knock down jump shots. Well, clearly he's not knocking down jump shots, so that's out. And I personally don't think he's a good defender.
0: Yeah and bro. also
2: I think I think
0: his main issue is he is way too comfortable with his volume of shot attempts. <laughs> that's that's his big issue. Think about like you we think about the impact that Cam Thomas had on the game like say like I, he had a good game against Cleveland right that was his really like coming out party. Cam yeah. Thomas played 15 minutes and he had sh- seven shot attempts. And Javon Carter played half of his minutes and he had six. Oh, like yeah, why are you uh... pulling
2: up so why are you chucking up so many shots? And Kim Thomas is, like, known as, like, a chucker, someone that just gets in the game and starts (laughs) shooting. And Devon Carter's taking almost as many shots. It's just – I don't understand it. Yeah, I know we really haven't gone into Orlando,
3: but, like, that was just, like, one example. I'm like, what are you doing? I feel like every year the Nets have this one guy that the whole fan base just has to bag on. Like, the last few years it was (laughs) – Before that, I guess it was, like, kind of like Ronda Hollis Jefferson in a way. Like, it was –
0: It was was Kuroks, for sure.
3: Well, Kuroks, too. Musa. There was a couple years where it was RHJ because his lack of jump shot ability. He was supposed to be like our big draft picks. So he was like our first draft selection in a few seasons. <laughs> I just feel like there's always like some guy in the Nets Twitter or like the Nets fandoms have to come against. I, I thought there wouldn't be one this year, but I think Jevon Carter definitely took the TLC throne and he's running away with it.
2: Yeah. Oh, I, I'm going to be honest. I'd almost rather have TLC than Jevon Carter. I said it. I said it. No, I said, no, it. No. <laughs> no, I said it. I mean it I mean it. Quote me for it. Quote me for it, please. That's how sick of Javon Carter I am. Oh,
3: I think man, TLC man. at least had his bubble run, though, where he was, like, a playable player. He <laughs> good. Like, Javon Carter has not shown really anything like, at all.
0: If, if there was another yeah. bubble season, TLC wins MVP. I don't want to hear it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so my big takeaway from the Orlando game was the Nets came out slow. They were, like, uh, something I said, they were getting – beaten down pretty bad by the Orlando Magic. And then the Nets' new identity, the elite defensive team came through to get them back in the game. They hold Orlando to 21 points in the second quarter and 21 points in the third quarter. And without locking down like that, I mean, granted, it is the Orlando Magic, so like, yes. But without locking down like that, the Nets don't even give themselves a chance to come back because they simply, I don't believe, had enough firepower with all the injuries. So the defense was huge. And as Sonia said, Patty Mills was once again incredible.
1: His back-to-back threes. That that was really what gave the Nets right. that, that lead in the third quarter.
2: Since, He's like, the unders- opening. He's an undersized guard. He shot 9 of 13 that game. He's been shooting really well all season. It's really impressive. Uh, Patty is
0: unbelievable. I love that
3: guy. I think Patty, <laughs> everyone knew was be the Nets fan favorite going into this year, and kind of like he just kind of jumped into that role. And especially with Joe out, he's kind of needed to be put in the starting lineup for just shooting purposes and spacing. He's honestly been everything the Nets could ask for and more. And I guess the one underrated thing the other day too was when even when Carter was still chucking some threes and missing, he kind of came by his side and like posted like like his, like kind of just like having his back, even if you're struggling. Like don't like no, no, don't let a man down. And I feel like his <laughs> impact on the team and like the locker room just has been. An underrated aspect of what he's done so far felt like with all the turmoil with like the Kyrie drama and a bunch of other stuff he's been like the one stable guy that's kind of like kept everybody together in a way
2: yeah yeah I, I knew i think i tweeted during the media week there was a patty mills uh video i think he was talking to sarah kustak and grady and as soon as I was reminded that he has the best Australian accent you will find, I knew he was gonna be a big <laughs> favorite. Forget the court, just listen to him talk. I can listen Patty Mills, we gotta get him on the pod. I can listen to that man talk all the time. Yeah. Did you see yeah.
1: the, the episode that he did of the bridge? That was just so adorable yes. and amazing. Yeah, that, was a really good episode.
2: <laughs> that was really good. He's
1: such a sweet guy.
2: <laughs> I did not see that, but I my favorite quote of the season so far from any Nets player was when they asked him about his cold shooting and he said he hasn't had time to buy a coat yet. <laughs> and New York City is cold. That was just incredible. <laughs> um, anything, else, anything else you guys want to touch about in the Orlando game before we move on to the Cleveland game from last night?
3: Uh What's it called? Uh, I guess the one thing I, would, I wanted to jump on is that, like, I think Harden's slowly getting his feet under him. I know he didn't really score a lot in this next game, but I feel like he's getting, that game was good for his confidence. And I thought that getting KD that rest there, kind of getting four days off and having the rest of the guys step up and take on a bad team and win was really big. And I feel like just taking care of business against these bad teams this year has really helped the Nets kind of propel themselves in the standings and kind of like they're sitting at the one seed right now. Like last year was kind of like always looking up the whole year and climbing back in because of the slow start. And I feel like getting a leg up this year with, like, the Bucks and Sixers struggling is really big in terms of, like, when you need to rest, guys, especially if they can get Kyrie back, they'll be, like, very well rested and already in good position standings-wise. That's what I thought. Right.
2: Yeah, I gave KD, uh, I think, four days off in a row before he came back Monday. Which is yeah. huge because they played they played eight games in thirteen days, so that four days off was definitely especially because he's nursing that shoulder, whatever you want to call it—injury, tightness, soreness, whatever it is. Any days off, and the Nets got the win out of it. So,
0: yeah, well, that's definitely a team that we should be able to take care of, even without one of the two of Kevin or James.
1: Right. So um, yeah, they have the worst record in the Eastern Conference. Right. That's why it was it was just frustrating that it was. It was that close to the very end. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, well, well, uh, what did they let up in the, well, I mean, when you let a team get off to a 41 point first quarter, it's always going to be a little
2: difficult <laughs> to climb back. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Yeah, all I no can say is, it that, is that that horrible Orlando team has two wins in New York City and neither of them are Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. But with that, let's jump into the Cleveland game last night. So, obviously, that's, Mets- I I knew someone was going to
1: say
0: it. I couldn't couldn't help myself. I'm sorry.
2: Um, So the Nets come away with a five-point win. Kind of was really the Nets, what they've been doing all season was last night. They kind of come out slow, let the team hang around. They were actually down, I think, 11 at the half. And then they just kept grinding and grinding away and they ended up pulling it out. But. I want to give a major, major shout-out to Steve Nash, the head coach that everyone bashes nonstop. He made the adjustment at halftime, and I've never seen him really do this, where he pretty much benched Blake Griffin and Devon Carter, and he went with LaMarcus Aldridge and Cam Thomas. I don't think if he made that switch, the Nets would have won the game. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. And, I mean, (laughs) it it seems like it was the obvious switch. All of Nets Twitter has been calling for it. Um, But he wasn't doing it. And suddenly he just, I don't know, something clicked with him. Oh, wow, this actually works. So hopefully going forward, then let's stick with it. Yeah, I mean, my biggest takeaway from this game
0: was obviously Cam Thomas because it was more – it wasn't even about everything that he showed offensively because we knew he could do all that. It was him on defense, and it helped that – When he first came into the game, the Cavaliers were scoring on the Nets bench side. So Cam Thomas was guarding Darius Garland on the wing and playing very good defense right in front of Steve Nash's face. And it was, it was very nice to see because I'm like, okay, keep doing that. He will like that, and you will get your minutes. <laughs> like And then he had a very nice offensive showing to put on top of it. And he, he looked very good. And that was, like, the first time where, like, he, we saw him get multiple games where he would get, like, seven minutes, but, like, he would look kind of skittish, and he would just throw up a couple contested shots and not really make anything. He made his first NBA three in this game, which kind of it took a while. But, you know, he finished – like it it was just a really good showing, especially after that monster G League game he had. He scored he scored eighty-one in the G League over the span of two games. And then that, that right. definitely, I think that definitely I think helped him get his feet under him. And then that translated to the game the other night.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I tweeted out the other day, he's gotta be the luckiest twenty-seventh overall pick in NBA history. He gets to <laughs> Being a great scorer himself, and he gets to pick the brains of Kevin Durant and James Harden. That's just not fair. It's
3: yeah, just, that's the oh, goal. No, you can go, you can go. Yeah, so what I noticed was is that, like, yeah, they made the Blake Griffin adjustment. I noticed, like, based on, like, what Alder's been saying the last few days, I think he's kind of been itching to get in that starting lineup. I think, like, we assume when guys on the later end of their careers, like, they kind of are cool with, like, taking a step back and taking a role like that. But I think over the last few games with the way Blake has played in terms of like how Lamarcus has kind of been like our third or fourth best player, kind of going back and forth with Patty on a given night, like he, I think he definitely deserves to be in the starting lineup and making that argument. Yeah. Like Blake does provide like the offensive fouls and like, like good defense off the Nets bench. I think right now Aldridge is kind of like just clicking more at the lineup. So I think that's could be something we could see going forward. I'm not sure if it'll be tomorrow against Boston or like later on this week, or maybe it's depending on matchup. But I think Aldridge definitely deserved the uptick in minutes. I think at first they went with Blake because of like the health scare with Aldridge. But I think as the many games put together and plays well, I think we might see that. We'll see like depending on guys coming out of the lineup with clacks and whatnot, how that will go. But yeah, like the Cam Thomas's coming out party was great. I think the Nash adjustments are great. I think overall the Nets kind of like – it was good to have a game where like Durant didn't bail him out in every possession. They have had a couple games in a row where that hasn't been the case. And it's kind of been great to see like a lot of other guys get involved, especially when you're down like two starters and like one of your big like young players in clocks in the past like month. Like they've been having a lot of guys that weren't supposed to get minutes like Ben Bree and James Johnson potentially like give them upside minutes. I think it's been really good to see like that be the case.
2: right? Yeah, LaMarcus Aldridge has been absolutely incredible this year in limited minutes. And then last night he finally got to play 34 minutes. And the man went out and dropped 21 and had 11 boards. So, he's just – every time I shoot – every time he shoots the ball, I just feel like it's going in him, and Katie. It's like what those two are doing on jump shots are incredible, it's amazing I get surpri- I get surprised when they miss. I know. It's like, oh, man, them and shot! what the hell are you doing? <laughs>
0: Teddy Mills is in that group, too. The three of them, whenever they pull up, should pull off for a shot. I, I am surprised if it, could, if it doesn't go in.
2: Facts. we could get James Harden in that group and maybe Joey Buckets when he comes back, then that's going to be in good shape. Let us pray. Um, <laughs> Let us pray.
3: I thought that Wade died. I actually played good defense on Durant most of that game. I felt like Durant kind of couldn't get his group going against him.
2: Yeah, it was one of the best – defensive performances I've seen against Durant besides what the Warriors did to him when they just threw 12 guys on him at once.
3: Yeah, I agree. Him and Markkinen kind of did a good job with their length against Durant, but I felt like in Great. the fourth, Durant kind of just got his got his looks and got other guys involved. And once again, James Johnson, bullying might have worked with him. He really had a good game. He got Patty <laughs> that one open three, like where he like came in and kind of just like flipped it behind him and that was a big momentum three, like three, four minutes left. And I thought that was like a big game changer because Cleveland kind of went back ahead. possession or two, and the Nets kind of just ran away with it from there.
2: Yeah, so at the end of all this, we are 18 games into the season, and through all the noise, the panicking, the Kevin Durant should regret going to the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets are all alone at the top of the Eastern Conference. They haven't hit their stride yet. There's a huge question mark with Kyrie Irving, which obviously, if he comes back, will be the biggest difference maker anyone will get, buyout or trades. And the Nets have the second-best point differential in the East at plus 3.8 per game. The only team better are the Miami Heat at plus 7.4, which is very impressive. Um, but they haven't hit their stride, like I said, and they're just going to keep getting better, and I don't think they're <laughs> going to get any worse. they got guys coming back, players like James Harden, they're going to get their legs underneath them, and they're just going to play better as a team. Which brings us into the upcoming schedule this week. Um, so the narrative all season has kind of been that the Nets can't beat good teams. They only beat the poor teams, blah, blah, blah. This is the week to prove everyone wrong. Wednesday, they play against Boston. Um, the Celtics have been playing incredible basketball. They we make that a break, though. True. Jalen Brown might not play.
3: Yeah, exactly. So that, he was that's
2: questionable. All right. he, played, he played yesterday, but he's questionable for the game Wednesday. Uh, but they've won seven out of their last ten. They've won three in a row. So, even without Jalen Brown, they were winning because Jason Tatum has been playing incredible right now. Um, and then, obviously, Saturday, they play at home against Phoenix. And the Suns are the hottest team in the NBA right now. They've won 13 games in a row, which is obviously very impressive. Um, what do you guys want to see in those games for the Mets? Wins.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well said. So well said.
2: I don't know. That's just that's
0: just my expert analysis there. I would like to see that us win. Nice. Yeah, you
2: should maybe go on ESPN sometime. That was good. I mean, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: thank you. Thank. You. I've been working hard on that answer. honestly I put a lot of thought to it. I want a Jeff on Quarter Revenge game on Saturday. All right, uh, please stop. no stop.
2: stop it. We don't say those two words on the show anymore. They're banned. <laughs> Never again. I don't care what the context is, unless he drops like fifty. You're forbidden to talk about him on the show.
3: Last time I did it, it worked. So i was just trying to. <laughs> to Javon well, directed Carter's towards Blake.
2: Directed
0: yeah, towards
3: Blake instead else. of Javon. Blake Griffin, your oh. trash. <laughs> you can't dunk. You can't dunk.
2: You can't dunk anymore. He's washed up. Yeah, you're really the right. <laughs> Um, so the injury roundup, uh, Alex Schiffer of The Athletic reported that Joe Harris is out at least the next two games. That was reported on Monday. So I guess there is a chance he could be back for Saturday. I would doubt it. And Bruce Brown has been ruled out for the Celtics game. And then Alex Schiffer of The Athletic also reported on Monday that Nicholas Claxton uh, might require two more weeks of conditioning before he's ready to play. Oh my which
1: God. Wild. I know. I, when I saw that, I was like, damn like but he Which, had himself admitted that he he's not ready he needs to gain weight said, like, like I think that you know he's playing it smart it's just wild to think how I'm like what did he have they didn't really ever tell us right, right. What, what he was sick from Boy got no,
0: the flumonia don't. shingle pox or something I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> shingles I'm is just, going around I'm gonna put really? my science, science journalism Whoa. hat on for a second shingles is going around so <laughs> his throat so
0: look at that <laughs> I, I I might be
1: onto something.
2: Joe Yo, man, you're just killing it tonight. <laughs> I know, right? Like I'm I'm white hot right now. Uh, well, all right, guys. Thank you for everyone to tuning into the Sports Ethos Nets podcast. This is your host, Cody Mallory. Um, I was once again joined by Anthony Dittmar and Joe Farrow. And we had our second guest, Sanya Buddha, on the show, who gave us a great insight onto the Brooklyn Brigade. We will be recording our next episode on Sunday and posting it Sunday night. Thanks again, everyone, for listening.